Hey y'all, welcome to But Now We Said It, where we know new episodes of Housewives are great and all, but nothing beats an old episode of Housewives. Coming up later in this episode, my exclusive interview with Joe De La Rosa, an OG from Real Housewives of Orange County. And y'all, let me just say, you can call her a bad server because she just spilled the tea all over the place. You will not want to miss it. I am so excited. We are recapping episode two of Real Housewives of Orange County season one. And my guest today is none other than the iconic Ryan Bailey of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. You know him on Instagram for his funny memes. You know him for his podcast that is incredible. And he's just all around one of the best people in the Bravo creator fan universe. And I'm so lucky to have him here to recap today. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, good. What's up? Uh, but now we said it, Nation. What's what's? Uh, I by, by the way, I love that you said uh, Bravo. Me, like it, it is funny that we really carved out a little niche, uh, niche. Like, I, can we put this on a resume? Like, seriously, Bravo make. I told my little nephew the other day. I, he was like. He was explaining memes, and I go, I make, I make memes all day, dude. And then I felt so sad about myself because I was talking <laughs> to an 11 year old boy, and he was trying. I, I was like, Oh, I'm explaining. You're competing memes to with him. him. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted him to think I was so cool. And then he was like, Oh, well, I don't understand Bravo memes. I was like, Oh, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> Story of my life when I talk to anyone outside of this Bravo verse. <laughs> Like, but, but 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 that's why we got to make the Bravo verse so big that we we can. But at the same time, it's really cool. Like it is when I saw you and Christian and like uh, Danielle and all those people the other night or a couple weeks ago. It was so great to just speak in shorthand. We were throwing out Kathy Hilton jokes. We were throwing out OC jokes. I mean, you it, it's it's like family without you, you like it's like two years of friendship within one night. You know. It is. It's so fascinating to me when you can literally just put people together that have never met. And if you just if they're both big Bravo fans like we are, it'll you'll immediately click and you just have this camaraderie. It's I even equate it to like going to the events like BravoCon or Countess and Friends. Like yeah. you're all there. You're in on the joke. It's just it's insane. And um, it's truly my favorite part of the whole Bravo experience i feel like oh, i mean i've seen i've seen countess luann more than i've seen billy joel i mean it's like <laughs> i mean and I, I there's not i've been to countess luann show like the one at the wiltern it was like packed and everybody was in on the joke except for countess luann except like, for lou yes <laughs> everybody was like talking over like all the bravo fans were like having the best conversations of their lives during countess luann's songs it was like I, the best backdrop i was there too i can't i Wish we would have known each other then. Um, I know. Did you go happen to go down, do the backstage thing after the show? No, a lot of my friends did, and I wasn't cool enough yet to do that. So I remember going like, one day I'll be backstage <laughs> at Countess Luann. One day I'll be there, and which is just so scary. Like, that's so sad. I'm willing to be like a backstage. Uh, I'd be willing to hook up with Luann just to get backstage. You, you know? know what? You should, honestly. We should set this up. Would you ever think about that if Ramona would like you or like dismiss you if you because you she's oh, always I, like hitting she's on already random guys me. oh really what was <laughs> well, wait when i mean not i'm being dramatic i mean so when i was at watch what happens live um she was you know storming around the studio as she does like demanding Fling, flinging poop everywhere yes yeah, yeah. fling, flinging her shit all over the place <laughs> um 
And I just remember almost running into her, like not literally running into her, but like we're like walking past each other and she just looks at me and just gives me this stare of like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I was <laughs> oh. just like, that's exactly honestly what I expect from Mona, And I actually, I love it. That's, oh, that's I would, what I, I wanted. Would, I would cry. She would like me. I would cry immediately. I would like, want I, her to yell at me, to be honest. Oh yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, you're a freak that way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was hysterical to watch her, though, in the wild and watch what happens live because she literally is exactly what you would imagine. Like, diva, like, ordering people and, you know, people around, demanding this, demanding that, and watching the people there just kind of giggle and laugh through it all. It's just, like, the only way to get through it. <laughs> well, and she's, I mean, and we, we encourage behavior out of all of these ladies. Oh, like totally. Vicky, Vicky's another one. Like, from where we see her on today's episode, where she is now, I mean, we've we've made these people, like, iconic Mount Rushmore-like figures. So I have to imagine it's very confusing for them to just, to, to just act normal again or to not, to come down from that high when you have so many people going, like, you're a legend. You're a legend, you know? Absolutely, and... I'm glad you brought that up because that is my biggest defense on everything Dorinda last this past year, because like I am a big Dorinda fan. I love Dorinda last season, rough season, right? Yeah. 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 You could really not defend a lot of what happened last season. However, I did not one. I didn't think she deserved to be fired. We needed her redemption Two, I also try to remind people that I feel like we created the monster to be honest, she was going through some stuff clearly. I mean, I think she was going through her own personal stuff, but also we have praised all of the, you know, the one-liners, the your Holland Tunnel, put an easy pass yeah. on your vagina. <laughs> yeah. Clip, 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 you know, and how how you doing? Not well, bitch. Like we've praised her the you know, the comedy that she brings to the show with her harsh tongue. So now that maybe it's been played out a little bit to some of the viewers, we can't expect her to just switch back. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it's got to be so confusing for them. And that's why even with – at least with Dorinda, Stan culture has – I mean, her, I think, fame in the Housewives universe built a little bit over the years, but we get so rabid as a fan base, whereas last season we got immediately enamored with Leah and was like, oh my God, queen, queen. We loved her immediately. And I got to feel, I feel like there should be a rule where we can't stand any Housewives until the end of the second season, until we're, because I feel like then Leah now is confused when everybody comes so hard down on her the second season and she's not reaching any of the heights that we thought she did on that first season, which the only person that deserves it is Kathy Hilton. I was just going to say, yeah, only person. Kathy Hilton's allowed to be stand first season. Um, The other thing I was going to say, don't you dare lump me in for that uh, Leah stand culture. I did like Leah last season. I was very confused on everybody saying like, she's the best housewife. I'm blaming myself. I did that. I I was so confused during the, the COVID and the, you know, it was just a rough time. You should just blame COVID on that. uh, But by the way, you kind of can, because we were all trapped in our rooms watching this girl throw around tiki torches and, and standing up to these ladies that had been there for decade. And like, it was really exciting to watch when nothing was happening in your own life, you know, and you're like, it's really scary. That actually is funny. And it was awesome. It really was. She, and that's, I, to clarify, I did like Leah. I thought she was good. I just thought it was strange how people thought she like did something groundbreaking and different. Like she last season, like I 
felt like she was a good housewife. And yeah, she was a different dynamic with those ladies, but she's no like, she's no Kathy Hilton. She's no like, um, you know, Teresa throwing, I don't know. Like she wasn't well, Kathy Hilton's amazing. Cause Kathy Hilton doesn't need us. That's Kathy true. Hilton does not need us to stand her. Kathy Hilton is going to be Kathy Hilton, regardless of what we think of her. But that's, that's our fandom uh, as well as like, you got, you remember that when it was announced, she was coming on. People were like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then we see it. And it's like, this works perfectly. You guys, why do we, we are so, and myself included, we are so intense with our reactions and things. But at the end of the day, it really is what these ladies put out there. The more they mm-hmm. give us, the better. And and even like today, watching that episode and seeing Vicky, you're like, man, icon. She was just being herself. And yes. in reality, most people probably didn't love Vicky in real life. Oh, but we totally. saw it and was like, what a great person. What a great character. Absolutely. And that's actually my favorite part of rewatching this is because... I, I struggle with Vicky now, obviously. I don't, like, she's <laughs> ever, I I literally think ever since Cancer Scam, she has not delivered us anything. Um, and looking back to these old seasons, I just worship how incredible Vicky Gumbelson is. Like, she truly is incredible to watch. And I I truly think there is a job out there for housewives to like like a consultant almost to help you sort of navigate not becoming a monster and <laughs> you're the fans Wait, turning steve, on you steve that's your that's your job that's what you're gonna do is you gotta navigate these ladies and and you gotta put them through some sort of boot camp because also the, the other thing is what i love about vicky and, and especially in this for this first season is that she can't not be real like, right. you know, we're, we're like, we're watching right now Erica Jane's performance, whether she, I, I don't know whether she knew or not, whatever, but it's still a performance. It's still knowing a camera is there. Vicky, and we're seeing this kind of just, a, just her being herself. There is not a time where I think she's doing something for the cameras. She's not trying, like, she's acting like kind of a tool at times, kind of wacky, and she's not trying to impress the cameras at all. She's nuts. Absolutely and, nuts. And in, it's in the best that. way pros- possible. Yeah. The best way possible. I worship this Vicky. I miss this Vicky every day. Um, she's like truly, Kanye. I miss the old Kanye. I miss yeah. the old Vicky. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, that goes with NeNe Leakes. That goes with Lisa Vanderpump. Those These OGs that are at that level, to me, as the, it's got on, the ego has gotten in the way so much that it's gotten in the way of their success and them, you know, staying on the show. Like none of those three who I thought would have been the longest standing housewives on their franchises um, are not there. And I think a lot of that has to do with letting ego get in front of what the goal of the the show is. I mean, it's it's so weird. I, I talk about ego all the time on the pod and it's like, Ego is what gets them there, and ego is what we love at first, but also ego ends up being what a lot of these housewives, what takes them under, Mm -hmm. because they can never then be completely honest like they were originally. It's really weird, and I I would be so curious... I don't know if you talk to anybody that like, I wish we would just get like a, like Yale would do some kind of study on like, there's OG watchers like us. And then I want people that have never seen a Bravo show in their lives and just show them the newest season of Beverly Hills, see what they think, and then make them go back and watch the first season of some of these shows. Because 
we're so uh, not tainted, but we, we've been influenced by all of this. We were there for the heyday of OC and Beverly Hills. So it's so hard for us when we have this deep knowledge. Uh, it's like, I, I, like I said, I don't follow sports, but what I hear about sports team, like the 76 Mets were amazing. Like we're yeah. like that with these teams, you know? <laughs> totally. Oh my God. The season eight cast of Atlanta. Iconic. <laughs> yes. But that's what I'm saying. We speak. We, that's the kind of excitement where we're like passing around baseball cards with housewives of like, I'll trade you a season eight Nini for a season five Dorinda. Like it's, it's bizarre how, you know, you, you think of it as magic. Well, that's why. That's why I was saying, like, whether, uh, like, New York, I think the discourse is like, okay, yeah, it's not working. It'll work again, though. I'm not even worried about it. Just like we thought Beverly Hills wasn't working during Puppygate. It's working now. But you realize those seasons work, like, when every person that you're watching has something to offer. You could yes. throw the storyline to somebody else. And you even, like, Dorit, not having much of a storyline. But I like her little, I like her little spices she throws Thank in. You. I, but like, Thank you. Thank you. But that's all she needs to do. We don't need... When you have that many good storylines, all she, all I want to see is reactions and don't force it. Literally. That's what I've been saying. I'm like, y'all, first of all, y'all remember when Dorit came on the show and season seven, she has been the center of the drama for seven, eight, nine. And then in 10, she finally got her season where, you know, the fandom finally like saw, I mean, what I feel like I saw from the beginning. I'm like, I love Dorit from the beginning. And she got her, like, incredible season. Everyone fell in love with her. And now that she doesn't have a lot, you know, happening right now, everyone's turning on saying, like, oh, Dorit's getting the demotion. She's the friend of, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... By the way, nobody listens. Like, I love that Twitter (laughs) thinks they're casting the show. It's like... Right? But guess what? Bravo does not... I mean, they they might pay attention, like, as a joke, but, like, they're not going, like, I wonder what Kathy3567 says in Detroit about if uh, if Dorit should stay or go, you know? Totally. And I'm like... and, And with her, I'm just like, why... We have Sutton versus Crystal, which... I'm obsessed with. We have Kathy Hilton just being iconic and there and hysterical. And then Erica's life is falling apart. I'm okay (laughs) with, you know, Rinna, Kyle, and Dorit essentially being the Greek chorus this season because we do not need another crazy storyline. Oh, I couldn't handle it. And imagine the flack Dorit would get if they did give her a storyline and it's kind of half-assed. People would be like, totally. boo, bad storyline, bad storyline. I like seeing her facial reactions. I like her going like, Jagaloo, look at this Palm Springs house, little Jagga. You know, like those little moments are great. I love seeing her as like her mom, like the way she is with her kids, you can just tell she's a phenomenal mom and I love, Yes, I, I rarely like, like, the the mom and the kids stuff on the show i you know i'm just like eh it's nice to see it you know that they're well rounded in their life but i typically don't really care about it but it is nice to see with Dorit. i'm obsessed with jagger and phoenix i think they're the cutest kids i mean really cute cute i mean and and that is the funny when i when i go hard on a housewife or something it's sometimes then you're like you see them with their kids and you're like okay that's hands off. That's really cute. That's funny. You know, like, and then you go back like, screw you though. When you get into the yeah. other ladies, like, how dare you? Um, exactly. But it, I was, but the, you know, I was watching the the second episode, like you, you said, and, and I had forgot. That's what I was like. You think about a team that has all good players. I had completely forgotten about Kimberly. Like to me, Joe iconic. was iconic. Lori was iconic. 
you know, obviously you had Vicky, obviously. I mean, and I was like, but Kimberly, I forgot about entirely. I blocked her out almost. Oh my God. Since I've done this rewatch, I feel like I've rewatched season one now, like so many times, you know, prepping for all of this. And Kimberly is truly the one that got away. I am I mean, Kimberly, devastated. Kimberly, uh, the Kimberly erasure has to stop. Like we have erased yes. her from the annals of Bravo. Uh, I mean, that, it is funny because I really did. I, I had not thought about her since I originally saw these shows when they first aired, you know? The only thing I remembered about her before I came back to rewatch was um, the her boobs was a big thing. And then I remember her getting, you know, like a skin cancer, which obviously will be later down this this season. Spoiler and, alert, guys. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was it. And I was like, you know, from what I remembered, I I had always just thought eh, she was kind of a dud probably. And then rewatching, I'm like, why is this woman not still on the show? Oh, my God. She's incredible. I need like she is exact like she's a star that season in a way like she, she was not only just this carefree like i don't give i don't i don't really try to keep up with the joneses i mean i you know it is what it is what you see is what you get but then on top of that she's a party girl and we get to see this wild side of her and i i just think she truly is the one that got away but anyway, that's why i think these show this show especially is important because you gotta, you gotta go back. You gotta see like where we came from. We we mm-hmm. have a history now with Bravo and reality shows, and you gotta. This is the only history I want to study. You know, I wasn't good at history in school, but this kind of history, you're like, okay, we gotta see where we came from so we can make the the future a brighter, better Bravo. And you gotta go back and pay attention to what was given to us. You know, Amen. And I, th- I'm curious how. You watch, you've watched – well, let me just go ahead and get into this. So when you first watched OC Season 1, when was that? Was that when it came out it was and premiered? first week it came out. I mean, honestly. And I was married at the time, and my wife didn't even – my ex-wife didn't even – um, she, I mean, she, she watched, she knew I liked weird. I mean, she knew I loved reality. I was watching teen mom, uh, survivor, real world, all that stuff. But I was like, I saw that. I was like, Oh, that looks like something that I would like. And I think there was an article in entertainment weekly, maybe, or something saying that it was coming up. And I was like, Oh, I want to check that out. That seems hysterical. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and I immediately loved it. You know, which by the way, did you know the first episode, the premiere of the first episode was the first day Twitter was online. No, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. about first... that history fun fact right here? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't big, but it was the first, uh, you know, and I I, uh, I thought that was crazy. That is crazy. I I did not realize Twitter came out in 2006. Yeah, it was like I... uh, we just celebrated the 15-year anniversary of Twitter, you know? Wow. Yeah, so I – same with you. I saw this, like, promo for, um, for the series, and I was super excited because I'm – Small town, like, just fascinated with this life of these people behind the gates, right? And then I watched the episode, and it wasn't exactly what I envisioned. So I actually tabled (laughs) Real Housewives. It was just like... And then I was going to college anyway. Wait, what did you envision? Um, I just... I don't know what I envisioned. I When I... I just... I think I felt it was just too slow and boring for me. Um, 
And now watching back, I, I'm watching with a totally different lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas then I think I was just looking for, I don't know, the glitz and the glam and all of this. And that's not exactly what we got. It is kind of funny to see, like, they chose Coda de Casa, which, yes, it is a very ex- ex- expensive and rich area. But Beverly Hills is more of the glitz and the glam. I feel yeah. like Orange County is more of the... Um, new money, <laughs> if you But will. I think they, I mean, I think they carried themselves like they were. Like, I, I think that's why it kind of works even in retrospect watching back because it's like kind of a dark comedy of like, I don't care about Coda de Casa and you guys are th- acting like it's like heaven or something. And yes. that's why I think it's hysterical because I did not, I'd never heard of Coda de Casa and everybody's like, oh my God, you're in Coda. Oh my God. Amazing. And it doesn't look amazing. Of course, now it's like everything's dated, but it's just so funny. The attitude they have about themselves being in this gated community. I think that's what's really funny about it. It's almost like it was kind of a mockumentary because there is like a joke of it all where they're like, they they think they're the upper echelon and better than everybody else, whatever. They sort of drag them a little bit in production. You know what I mean? They'll like show off these aspects that they're kind of making fun of the cast members or showing the cringy parts of their life. And even though that they were thinking at the time, probably we're showing off how rich and, you know, above everybody else that we are, you know? Well, I mean, it just shows you also how far they've grown in terms of just camera style. I mean, totally. this almost, this almost watches, it almost views like a, a gritty documentary. Like, yes. it, it's like, it's like really like the cameras are all kind of following sloppily. It's like gritty on the screen. You know, you see how HD TV everything is now with housewives or even like you were just saying, like in, and now we see, you know, especially like Beverly Hills, they'll, they'll, uh, or Vanderpump Rules, they would do this all the time with like people like Sheena. Sheena'd be like, I don't date many guys. And then they'd show like eight yes. different guys over the course of eight seasons that she's dated and really make fun of her that way. And this is just a straight, especially this first season, because they don't really have a lot of footage to, to really, really bust their balls with, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. I, that's true. And I literally was saying I felt like this season is a docu-series on these families separately versus a group of friends where now it has evolved to where it's the housewives are supposed to be, you know, groups of friends or people at least de- somewhat connected to each other. It has definitely evolved even more as time went on. You know, there was in that middle period where pretty much everyone was friends coming onto the show. But now it's you, See, I like I like the friend aspect of it. I feel like sometimes Same. they get themselves into hot water having these tertiary, tertiary characters where you can very thinly draw a line. I feel it gives yeah. them so much more work to do, like Tiffany Moon on Dallas. Like, I felt really bad for some, like Ebony on New York. You give them these little thin tethers of like relationships, and it then kind of reads false. So you're already sending them into this friend group not being friends with these people, you know, like it's a really hard job to do when it's supposed to be a group of ladies that kind of know each other, you know, truly I a hundred percent like that is the secret ingredient to all of these shows. And that's when where the audience isn't dumb. We know when someone's being brought in and it's not an authentic like friendship. And that is truly like when I say I hate the season of New York right now, it's, I think a lot of people are blaming Ebony and all in the race discussions has nothing to do with that for me. I love those discussions. The what hap- what's wrong for me is this cast 
did not make sense to me. Like they're not friends. They're not yeah. connected. It is. It's a well, it's a bullshit cast. That, that's what I think the the beginning of this episode. They have like they're all like uh, rabbit hunting. Like yes. everybody has a rabbit issue. So you go around to all the characters like, and it's like, what do you think about the rabbit problem in Kodo? You know, and that's that was their tie at the beginning. They're trying to get things that tie people up in this community, and it's their rabbit problem in their backyards. You know. Yes, and that is something that I feel like they do in almost every episode of this first season where they they do one segment where it's all like there's like an umbrella theme and then all of them are experiencing it. So this episode is the rabbits and I did die laughing like Gina's like coyotes typically are the ones eating the bunnies, but we're down on coyotes right now. So, you know, the bunnies are winning. I like... I did not realize how big of an issue bunnies were in suburbia. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I mean, lived in suburbia for so long, I guess. Oh, I had no clue. I mean, I, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I just haven't had a backyard in it forever, I guess. Same. Also, just Shane is now like the resident bunny hunter. And he's shooting with a pellet gun at these bunnies. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, but you wait, wait. You guys don't even realize the like. There's a shot of him in his dad's gun room, bowling out all of these rifles and pellet guns and handguns. They're like, I mean, I'm talking about a lot of guns that they have access to. Yeah, and they're just going around. The, I'm like, oh, that's just they're fun. They're going around the neighborhood with rifles and shotguns. Like, it's wild. Yes, <laughs> I was shook over that. I also laughed that you know they didn't end up being successful. I'm sure Vicky was pissed about it. You well, he's know? like these pellet these pellet guns can't uh, can't kill for shit. They can't kill things. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> I mean, so, it really was like the broiest thing. Like, you want to go kill rabbits? <laughs> Absolutely. As a straight man, did you connect to that? No, I mean, I'm the weirdest straight man of all. Like, I mean, like, I just don't connect to normal straight man stuff, but it, it seemed very manly. Oh, but by the way, I will say, though, then he lost his man card at the end when he's like, can I get a double screwdriver? Like, I was like, a screw, is a screwdriver like a big man drink? Uh, I wouldn't say. I think that's, you know what? It's probably a big man drink when they go golfing at the country club in the morning. Okay. Like, tea time is 8 a.m. I feel like, like it's people, very sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's more of a breakfast drink. Yeah, yeah sorry, I, well, that's what I was saying. I didn't, I didn't think it was a nightclub drink around the no. ladies. You know, that's very that showed Shane's age there. I feel like Shane looks, <laughs> oh, and not in a bad way. It just looks much more mature than he is. He's only eighteen here in season oh, one. He does look so much more uh, grown up than that. Yeah, yeah, but. Anywho, so we talked a little bit about the bunnies and the rabbits, and then we go into um, Slade and Joe. They Slade comes out in his tight, multicolored biking outfit. When I raced my bicycle, I was I was really good. I went to several men's national championships, several world mountain bike championships. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and was the Alaska State Junior Champion. I believe that some of the skills I obtained in bicycle racing helped me become very successful in life. And a lot of the discipline, a lot of the determination, the competitiveness, all those things parlay directly into your professional work life and even your home life. But I love that he says, you know, he's like, these skills have helped me become more successful and my biking skills. And I just, you know, it's like, 
Slade's journey is just so wild. Like we've literally watched this guy go through multiple housewives and I forgot that he had started off as a bike. Like for some reason, I I thought the cycling thing was discovered in later seasons because remember he like was biking even with Gretchen and stuff like that. But it does mm-hmm. go after that right into like an American psycho thing where he's like doing like nude sit-ups and like face peels and at that's where i think they're trolling them oh that's the time that's uh, by the way that to me is what exactly like what works so like because it's like he's like yeah people see me they think i'm somebody probably a movie star but you know successful i'm in kodo (laughs) so that's just that's par for course and then he's like i gotta say at the time he probably considered he had a good body but not compared to uh los angeles standards now the guy you know you'd you'd have to have an eight pack that guy's you know a very maybe a two pack you know yeah I mean, I'll give Slade credit. He was hot, but um, you're right. I mean, he does not live up to the standards that the impossible standards that L.A. loves to give us. My favorite, (laughs) him putting out three different suits and then matching the watch, matching the watches to it. And I was like, that's amazing. I actually asked Joe about Slade flaunting his wealth on the show. He was very flossy loved i feel like the most out of anyone on the show loved to talk about the price of things the the lavish life which again i don't fault him for that because that's why we're watching we're watching to see i want to see all of this um was he really as wealthy as he was making it out to be yeah back then he was wow um but also i feel like a lot of that was played up too, right? Okay. So like producers yeah. would be like, how much was this? How much was gotcha. that chandelier you bought? That's why you actually get me talking on camera on how much my ring was or right. paid, which PS wasn't even talking about my ring. I was talking about something else and they had spliced they... that together to make it look like I was talking about how much my ring cost and that was not the case. Um so, so didn't they say like, wasn't it like a hundred thousand dollars or something was what you uh, said? Yeah. But I was talking about a chandelier that I had, oh. we had gone to the store. We didn't buy the chandelier, but like I saw the price tag on it and I, and I, and it was really expensive is what I said. And it cost like $115,000. I was not talking about my ring. There was a big controversy on the ring. Is that uh. the same ring that Gretchen has? Oh, is that a thing? No. That was a thing. Everyone was... Really? Because she got a canary yellow diamond and... They thought it was my ring? Yeah. People thought it like suspiciously looked very similar. When you guys fully called everything off, did you give the ring back? How does that work? I did not give the ring back, but that was because... I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this again, but it's already out there. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to say it again. Um, uh-huh. The ring was actually not real. So <laughs> there was really no value to Wait. it. So <laughs> what? How did I not know this? <laughs> yeah. The ring was not so, real. So here's what happened. I went on Jeff Lewis's radio show and he asked me about the ring. And he's like, do you right. give it back? Do you still have it? I was like, no, I still have it at like my mom's. I think it's like in her attic or something. He's like, why did you not sell that? And I'm like, yeah, because it wasn't real. And when I said that, 
I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, like it, that is videoed when I say that on camera in his interview, you can see I'm genuinely just caught up in the moment and it comes out. I have never revealed that my, my whole life. Like this just came out this November and I didn't realize it, but it made a splash and it ended up on the front page of page six and then Slade commented and it became a whole thing. And the thing is, is like, you know, I, I did not mean to like be mean about that or like, because I didn't care. Like, you have to understand, at 24, I didn't care about diamonds. I didn't care about mm-hmm. any of that. I just cared that this was something really nice that he was doing, that he spent some money on, and that was great. You forget the drama that was in their lives, and you forget, like, whole plot lines or what was actually going on. And, I mean, in this, mm-hmm. she's pretty much a kept woman or or somebody that doesn't have to wake up at 6.30 a.m. anymore because Slade's taking care of her. And I'm like, also, what – Slade seems so um, out for, like, money and success. Like, what happened to him? Like, he – you know, like, what happened? Like, he – I'll tell you. So, uh, Joe – with talking to Joe, first of all – she clarified for me because I was saying it's amazing watching Slade as a dad in season one, because we all know what happens later. And she said, I feel so hard for him because he's a phenomenal father. He seemed to be a very, very good dad. Like he was incredible, incredible father. Yeah. And the way that he's now painted later, which I don't know if things change, and I don't want to like even talk about him as a father like later, just because that's not my place. But I, it's crazy to see what they they drag him through the mud on his like ab- abilities as a father. But when you look back to season one, you're like, oh damn, he's a good dad. Like he's no, he... an incredible dad. Yeah, and that actually, after the show and through the years and through the tabloids, that actually did break my heart to hear and read because all of that is bull crap. Like, mm-hmm. I will stand and defend him to to know, like, I was with him for literally all of my 20s. He is that yeah. dad. Like, that, who yeah. you see on that camera is who he is. So all of the bad dad stuff he got after is a thousand percent not true and it breaks my heart to this day to still, you know, see or, you know, when I do see stuff um, or read mm-hmm. stuff about it. You know, obviously, yeah, Google alerts. <laughs> come totally. Through. Yeah. And it just because it's not he is a wonderful father. The reason why he he got poor essentially or lost his wealth is he got let go from his actual job um, that he's referring to in this season because I guess you know the image issue with the company didn't love sort of what the show brought to, as far as an image so he lost the, the, his job from that she was still with him at this point I think is what she said and he essentially the show kind of ruined his career prospects. See, that's that what point. I was like. But then at the same time to keep then going for ladies that were involved in the show is so bizarre to me. Cause it's like, you're leaning in. But then once again, it's like Gretchen's not on the show anymore. Gretchen's a very 
certain type of housewife now or a certain type mm-hmm. of former housewife. And like, he really has, I guess has leaned into all of that stuff, but it's just such a bizarre, li- like now we're coming up on 15 years of this show. Like to think about, to see Slade here and then think about Slade now, it's, it's just so different. Well, I asked her, I was like, so I kind of Slade's track record of, you know, going housewife to housewife to housewife. He's had three, three at this point now right i was like is he was he just fame hungry because also i don't know if you know the reason why they were cast on the show was because he bid on a silent auction paid twenty five hundred dollars and won and it was to be on this show and um joe had no idea crazy thing. And I've talked about this before, like at the time back then, you know, I have ADD, ADHD. I'm listening to what you're saying, but sometimes I'm not here. My brain's somewhere else. Maybe he told me, but I genuinely thought that we had gotten on the show because he got us on the show. Like I thought they were looking for the fifth couple to cast. I did know he was at a charity event. And Mm -hmm. how I understood it was they were looking for the fifth couple and they loved that, you know, our different ages and stuff. I completely missed the memo on the part that he actually bought our way in. So, yeah. Yeah. So for the longest time, I had a completely different narrative on how everything happened. Wow. That's wild. I yeah. mean, God, could you imagine? I mean, can you imagine if he didn't win that, or what if he didn't? If somebody else outbid him? Well, what I said to Joe, I was like, "What I keep thinking about is, was there any disclaimer? Because, like, what if it was these two vanilla granola people that were boring as hell that bid on it and won? Like, would they be on the show, <laughs> or was it like a chance to be? Because they honestly, production and the creators lucked out with Slade and Joe because they were the perfect people to win that and be cast. Yeah. They needed that story. Yeah. Um, but what would have happened if it wasn't someone dynamic or had an interesting life? Yeah. Because- well, it's, and it's so funny to watch these shows and then deeply think about the passage of time. I was like, oh, I was thinking about my life and what's happened in 15 years. And I was like, yeah, That's so hysterical. I'm thinking about Slade. And, and then it's like getting deep with my own thoughts about my own life, you know? Yeah. Well, I said to Joe, I said, you know, I truly applaud her for how she was like, there was obviously there's moments where she was very, you know, selfish and stuff. But overall, I applauded her for knowing what she wanted out of life and not just backing down to a man. The way you handled a lot of things, I actually think you handled very well. And you you really stood up for yourself. You, like People could look at things as being selfish, but I actually was really um, proud of you for not backing down to Slade. The part in the garage where he you, you're packing up and leaving and he's like saying like what he wants and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like. Well, that's not like what I want. Like, that's not me. I'm not, you can go find somebody else that's going to do this and cater to you. Like I have goals. I have, I want my own success. Like, and you really like saying, 
I want something for me. I, I'm not going to just sit back and let you dictate my life. I thought that was such an empowering part of your story. So I just wanted Thank to applaud you. you for that. Thank yeah. you. I just feel like, you know, it's really funny. A lot of younger girls, when you're in that stage of your life, sometimes you think that you're chasing the guy with the money that's successful and like that's the dream. Mm-hmm. But when you get it, just speaking from experience, you really feel like you're then dropped into their world. And totally. all of a sudden it becomes about their world if you don't have your own thing. And so I've always yeah. been really big on like, have your own stuff, be your own person. And if you can fall in love and they happen to have money, awesome. But if not, right. and you meet an amazing musician or artist or painter or whatever, who's amazing behind closed doors because he's an artist and passionate, right? Right. You have your own stuff and like you can fall in love for love. Speaking of, you know, you said like she was basically a kept woman. Another thing she was revealing was I was work like she had been working up until a few months before the show. And then Slade wanted her to, you know, be a stay-at-home but wife or, well, fiancé. And she just wasn't liking it. So that's why she went back to work. She has her own goals and she was not fulfilled. I feel like those moments you saw on screen were definitely a little embellished in terms of like, Walk around, show me what you would do if Slade's not here type thing. Um, In terms of like, those were moments that I actually had to think of to do, right? Like, what would I do if mm-hmm. Slade's not here? But right. when the cameras were off, that is how lonely it felt. I mean, I can remember sitting in our movie room, you know, drinking vodka straight out of a bottle because I really did feel trapped. Like... In in moments because I had given up, you know, my career and financially at one point didn't have the means to be able to leave. And by then him and I just weren't in a good place. And you do feel stuck and, you know, lonely or you're sitting there and it's like, is this really the life that I want? And it's a really mm-hmm. hard decision to make and scary right. to like up and leave that. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people stay. So I applaud her for that. That was shocking to me that, you know, she had worked a couple years prior. And so she wasn't as kept as I think she, it was portrayed. Well, hey, that's why Erica um, Jane kept working. She didn't want to be a kept Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, by the way, I mean, uh, think about it. Joe was one of the first ones that also, I believe, uh, the music career, right? Yeah. Oh, we got into that. I mean, you too. know what I'm saying? Like, she so was the tea. first Erica Jane, potentially, just on a very small scale. I didn't know the backstory on this at all, but someone asked, did Gretchen own your record label? Yeah, so she didn't own my record label. What happened was my producer at the time um, Mm. was a big producer who produced um, Ashley Tisdale, and he had a lot of- Queen. Big, yes. He had a lot (laughs) of really big 
um, pop artists on his on his in his catalog. Basically, okay. he ended up selling that catalog, and Slade and Gretchen, I guess, bought it. And I am one of the his artists on that catalog. So oh. technically, they now own the music. Mm-hmm. Wait, they own your music? That is how I understand it. Yeah. I obviously have never performed anything right. since. So like royalties or anything like that. But yeah, like the catalog of actually songwriting and the music and everything that was produced by my producer sits now with Slade and Gretchen. So that's what that was about. She wrote a song that was actually used in like the hills and all that. She performed like on tour and stuff. She opened for Lady Gaga before Lady Gaga was huge. So they own her songs. (laughs) Oh, that's a... (laughs) Wait, what? That's wild. (laughs) And on the topic of Gretchen and Slade, I did ask Joe if she had spoken to them recently, and here's what she had to say. The last time I talked to Slade, funny enough, was when all this ring stuff happened, um, and I had actually called him after like 15 years. Because this whole debacle ended up on People Magazine, and I wanted him to know, like, my comment, what I had told people before it came out, because I didn't want any, um, any, like, yeah, or misconstrueness of, like, Mm. you know, what he thinks I said type thing. And I, he picked up the phone, and he was with the baby, And I was like, hey, do you have a minute? It's Joe. And he got really quiet. And I was like, "Um, I just wanted to talk to you. If you have a few minutes, can you call me back? And right after that, he he was like, I'm with the baby. Um, I can't talk now. I'll call you back. And I was like, okay. Right after that, I called Gretchen, who I also hadn't talked to for this entire time, given what had happened. And I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, I just want you to know, I called Slade and I'm I want to give you the respect of knowing that I called him. Also, I'd love to talk to you because it's been 15 years and I'd love to put all this stuff behind us. Like we're all in the same circle. Let's move on. Neither of them called me back. Wow. That's very, that's wow. That's amazing. We get back to Slade and Joe. Joe wakes up late because she doesn't feel driven or inclined to do much. Um, and I feel that. I mean, she's bored. She doesn't have a friend group. She doesn't have any of that. So she decides to call Kimberly and try to, like, take initiative to make some friends. She leaves her a voicemail and we'll see, you know. But this is great, too. This is, like, you could tell they're, like, new to filming because it's one of yes. those obvious of, like, hi, production told me to call you to hang out. We, I am doing that mm-hmm. now in this shot. And I thought that was yes, awesome. Do you remember in season or in episode one when she approaches the table and's like, "Hi, do you guys <laughs> ladies happen to live in Kodo?" Yeah, she. I asked her about that. That was actually fun fact. My very first scene that I ever shot um, at Four Housewives by myself, and. 
they told me to come into the bar lobby and like uh-huh. having a cocktail inside. And then producers are like, okay, the ladies are outside. You're about to meet them for the first time. And I was like, okay, that's all the prep I got. And they're like, whatever happens, just go with it and we'll, we'll capture it on camera. And I was like, okay, okay, ready, go. And then that was it. Do you know how intimidating it is to, first yes. of all, be at a restaurant by yourself, walk up to a table of like five women and be this little 20-something who doesn't know what she's doing. It was so nerve Do you guys live in Kodo? Yeah, yeah. That was the line. That was all real and all genuine. And I felt so like, what is happening? But yeah. So then we get to Gina and we meet Uncle Richie, who <laughs> happens to be Matt's uh, former Bat Boy, and they they the kids see him as like a father figure. Um, I'm sorry, Uncle Richie started to creep me out by the end. I'm sorry, like I don't. Yes. I, I hate to say this because obviously the kids really loved him, but I when I saw Uncle Richie when at first I was like, oh yeah, it's your uncle. Then I found out he was like the dad's Bat Boy, and then even like you know, Kara's like, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's related to us at all. I don't, you know, and like, and then he was like going on vacation with them. He was drinking with Shane, trying to get him to hook up with girls. He was like in the Mm -hmm. pool with Kara. I mean, there was a lot of like, I was like, this this is, this feels not right. It also just, he feels a little cringy because I feel like he's the one that'll like creep the girls out at the bar because he's the only older guy going on to the, like the 20 year olds or 21 year olds. Well, the piece of dialogue, and he said, ah, oh, we're kind of ruled by this thing we have between our legs. Between our legs. And I was like, penis. I was like, Jesus, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is actually the most fascinating thing about rewatching is, and especially Orange County, the things that made it to air at this time of what people said and did on camera would never fly right now. I mean, not... We haven't, I don't feel like, heard some super cringy stuff yet, but I feel like there's been, in the old seasons, they they say a lot of stuff that is a little problematic or very problematic. (laughs) So with Vicky, she takes Brianna and her friends on their Mexico trip. They're doing a cruise um, for her and her friends, and they have three moms going. Vicky says to Brianna, Will the Mexican men want you? Of course they will. Like, <laughs> well, also this is—it's just great because this feels like you're like it's like a prequel to how Batman became Batman, and this is like the first time we see Vicky like literally lose it when she goes on vacation and is like, you know, it's and Brianna's incredible. like, oh my god, I thought my mom would be uptight, but she's loving it. She's like, do a shot, Brianna, do a shot. You know, it was amazing. <laughs> She's like, and Brianna's like, I'm just so excited to get down there and drink some Coronas. Okay, Ashley Darby. Like, (laughs) it's like, it's just, I mean, it is so funny. And then I love seeing uh, Dawn drive them to the airport or whatever, you know, and Dawn, you know, Dawn Gumbelson, of course, is just the, I think, uh, you know, pillar of, of OC cool, just always in his flip flops. There's another Corona lover, Oakley's. 
you know, a Tommy Bahama and, or a shirt that says Lake Havasu on it. It's like, yes, it's, it's <laughs> just so perfect. What a, what a great yes. character. That's who I want to interview is Mr. He's so elusive. In fact, I saw somebody sent me on one of the Facebook groups of some, of some Facebook group that they ran into him in like Florida at some bar and they, did a shot with him and they talked about the uh, fake Don Gunvalson account. And he's like, yeah, I tried to get it shut down, but it actually, it seems like it's pretty cool. And you know, <laughs> and, and he, he looks the same. He looks the exact same. And you can just think like, Oh man, these girls are coming up to me. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm, kind of attracted to Don in a weird way. I think way. if you are a gay man or a woman, why wouldn't you be? He seems to be he like... BDE. He, yeah, he seems to be very zen. He knows who he is. He even said, yeah. you know, we seem to find him in this episode in kind of an American beauty Kevin Spacey moment where he's not really knowing, like, he, he has to get a new job, but he's like... You know what? I'm pretty cool right now. I don't. I, yeah. you know, my family's Vicky's sweating it, but I'm cool. Like he's not sweating it. He's like, go to Sacramento for this opportunity, but I don't want to move my family right now. But Vicky wants me to get a job. Like he's just totally chill. The best is the irony or of him when he's saying all of this. Right prior to that was him. Going off about Michael not having a job, yeah, goes, and I just I want to instill so, I want to instill good value. Yeah. He goes, this family's a family of workers. I want to instill in Michael uh, what it means to really work. And he's like, I'd prefer not to get a job anymore. I'd like to uh, stay here in my flip flops. Yeah, exactly. Well, by, by the way, Michael, I shocked, it was shocked. He went from a four four for a one point eight in college, and he was like, well, I. In my defense, I went to the number one party school. And we're like, okay, all's forgiven. Lies. All's- Penn State was the number one party school. What school did he go? I went to one- ASU when yeah. it was like in the top and that five. was the number one. At- you got or ASU was at one point number one. WVU. I think it, it bounced around a lot between WVU, Penn State, ASU, I think. And then he, I think he went somewhere in Colorado. Number one, I don't know. I'd like to see the yeah. receipts. My favorite, though, of Vicky on this vacation is her yelling at the man on for the boat. Brianna's got a wild side to her, so I am a little bit overprotective. Oh, no, what? Watch out for those girls! I you will understand? kill you! I will Your kill ass you! Your is mine if, if they're in trouble, okay? She is my You're world! You're big shit if something happens to them! She's my I flower! Was dead because that is quintessential yeah. Vicky Gunn. That's what I'm saying. Like That's when you realize this lady is really, she can turn on a dime. And I thought, I mean, it, it was great to see. Great to great to watch. I would love to interview the banana boat guy at a certain point. Like, yes. I was pretty scared of that lady. I made sure I was super safe on the turns. Yes, exactly. I, I was living for that moment and laughing so hard because I, I just, could you imagine being that poor man out there on the banana like what is this woman yelling what am i going to do to their her kids vicky, vicky <laughs> is the ultimate can i speak to your manager like she is yes she i would live Karen. in fear of I, I have friends like that my mom's a little like that at times of like 
well, I'm going to, I'm going to get this. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to whoever I need to talk to, you know, it'll, if it takes hours, right. this is my mission now. Like my mom will do that with like airline tickets. Whatever, and I sometimes just go, man, I feel so bad for whoever has to deal with that on, the, on other... the other side of that, you know, but she's going to get, she's going to get her way, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, so then we have Lori where, so Lori is taking over Kodo while Vicky's gone. And then Ashley's in there now working. Ashley didn't want to get a job either, but now she's working with Lori and Vicky. And that's when we get Lori's iconic tagline of, are the police involved? Because the principal calls saying that Josh got in trouble. They, they, um, thought that he had drugs in his hand and um, so they ended up taking him and he had to go to juvie because of his history of getting in so much trouble. And Ashley t- basically admits, like, I honestly feel like I've gotten away with a lot during in, in life just because my brother, my mom always has to focus on what's going on with my brother. Um, and you can kind of see, like, with even... When she has, you know, in the future, she'll when she has her parties and stuff without telling her mom, like she does got end up getting away with it because there's a lot more serious things going on. I mean, on it's with, it's you know. really I mean, this whole storyline is just so dark. And especially that's another it's thing so looking dark. back, like we know what happens that these are continual problems, that this isn't going to just be a one year issue. This is gonna be her whole life issue. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we even get Josh being interviewed, you know, of like, yeah, I started drinking at this time. And, you know, it's, I mean, that's just seventh grade, that's like, seventh but grade. also the fact that he started because he would hear his mom and dad fight all the time and breaking dishes and all of that stuff. And he would come in and see his mom crying in the bed. And it's like, I mean, you, you never want as a parent to have to blame yourself, but it's like, damn, that really did I mean, like it, it, it was just really dark. I mean, I was like, that's when I was like, this was like a hardcore gritty documentary more than a housewives show. Cause you're just like, Whoa, totally. So, and I say this a lot. And so I'm probably going to sound like a broken record on here, but like, th- this is another season, another example of how, again, they have all this money. We all think those of us that aren't, you know, the top 1% or even, you know, super, super wealthy like they are, we think, oh, money fixes everything. Like, life must be incredible. Life, whatever. They're not exempt from any of life's no, issues none of this, just because they have money. I think, I, I think the misconception, too, is that all of these ladies... We think about these past housewives. Oh, I always say, oh, the, it, it's aspirational. And I think it did not start aspirational. It got there somewhere in the middle and maybe Beverly Hills more so than any of the other franchises. But, you know, you. But even Beverly Hills early but on. You even, was, but you, we had Taylor. Yeah, we yeah. had Kim's issues. We had Adrian and Paul getting divorced. We, like, but I think that's a misconception. If you can pay your and bills, then family you should with, be happy. Yeah. If you if exactly. you can throw your your daughter a pony party like Taylor Armstrong did, and the you know you should yeah. be happy. And the reality of that is, it never seems to work that way. Even though I would like mm-hmm. to try it to see if I could be happy, I would love to <laughs> if I could just try. I think I could be the one that would be happy though. So Lori, with everything with Josh, um, I'm curious how you felt. It was fascinating to me to watch his part of the interview where he's talking about, you know, he remembers the fights with his parents. He remembers finding his mom in bed crying. And then he vividly remembers the steps to how he got to all of this trouble. It almost feels like he's 
super mature and aware of his bad behavior and why where it stems from and you almost want to think that like you truly believe that he recognizes it and he's going to change and you really feel for him because there's some sort of disconnect there because like in those moments he's so clear on what needs to change and what's wrong but then obviously we know something happens each time that gets him to his the dark place yeah. essentially yeah i mean and that that's the it's very frustrating i mean because he even said you go i i would go to school and i would be i'm a tiny guy and i'd be the big i'm a bully, bully. i'm a bully and so uh, you know it, it really is a very because you're right he's very personable on camera he seems very aware um and uh to know and then open about what he does but then also like, i just i can't speak to opioid addiction or anything like that True. but it seems like that you know obviously what would scare me or what i sometimes then think is that like well what if then an addiction does get a hold of you you know and then it is always right. easier i gotta tell you i'm not addicted to any i mean probably bad tv but uh i'm not addicted to anything where i and I, still life is hard still i find yeah. it hard to trudge through day in day out you know and i can't imagine just years of abuse what that does on the psyche um you know seeing here that then oh i'm always being the trouble person here and my mom you know like i just got to imagine right years and years of that just doesn't do a lot for your confidence level you know yeah and i feel probably for him you know Lori says ashley's from a previous marriage she has a close relationship with her dad sophie was so young so she didn't really know or she doesn't really know any different Josh is the only one that was really affected and very deeply affected. And it's not like he can even connect with either of them on that to help, you know, like where they can sort of bond over and like sort of talk through. He probably does feel very, did feel very alone at those points. And that is probably what made it easier for him to fall into these sort of traps. Well, I mean, even, you know, I, I think this is in the, uh, you know, the next season or the season after, then you get, you get Tamara and Ryan and you see Ryan yeah. go a different way as well. You see him, you know, it's like, we start, you know, you see him progress in his anger in his, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 uh, it is interesting. You can let these things kind of take you over. You can even either fight against them and hopefully come out on the other side or, well, that's why I got to say when I talked to Shane Keogh, that's what I was so impressed about is that I said, you know, he ended his minor league career when he was 24. He was supposed to, he was a part of a destiny in terms of like his family had hundred years of baseball, but he was supposed to be the golden boy and he got cut from his minor league team. And I said, that's so interesting. Like you could have chosen to let, you know, just go back party hook up with a lot of people throw, you know, but you decided to go another route. And I, I just can't, that to me takes strength. Totally. I was, so I watched the watch what happens live with all the kids and listening to him speak. I just was like, this is not the same man that I saw on. Not at all. That's why I was so shocked. I was like, I, I told him you you should be a life coach because of the way he was speaking. He was just like, uh, you know, it was very, even keeled, he wasn't be you know, it was just really a, a very confident, you know, but not cocky. Yeah. He's very cocky yeah. in these episodes. He, yes. he he just seems confident now. Yes, that's that's good, really good to hear. And he still looks just as good as he did when he was on the show. <laughs> based on what I saw and watch what happened. Uh, he left the camera off, so I I mean I, I who knows. Yeah. Kimberly, my literally my queen of season one. I like 
have fallen in love with this woman. Um, <laughs> they go car shopping and, you know, they moved here from Baltimore. They don't really care about material things. And so she drives a Ford Expedition and they need to get a new one. And they ended up going for the Lexus because the Ford salesman was slimy. I love that she drives a Ford Expedition because, and they mentioned like the Eddie Bauer versus the Limited because my mom always drove a Ford Explorer Eddie Bauer edition. So it was very nostalgic to me to, to see but that. But I love that he was like, you know, if we get a nice guy, you know, he's like, maybe I'll just get another. You're going to trash you it. Know, I'll get another four and we can trash that one. It's not a big deal. And I just love the thought of like getting a car that you can trash, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then we also see Slade, you know, after he laid out all his suits and matched yeah. all his watches and ties, he had this big meeting with Brent, um, and he kind of tells us what his job is. He's an assistant VP of a title insurance company. Cause I never knew what Slade did, or I just forgot, I guess, from the early seasons. Um, we really shouldn't know. And- we shouldn't feel pressure to know what Slade did. I feel like that's too much. <laughs> like if somebody was like, <laughs> totally. Oh, he was a title. Da, 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 I'd be like, that's wild that you remembered that. I also don't even know. Ex- I mean, he explained it, but I don't really get what he but does see, you know what that's exactly how we felt with jen shaw too we should have played paid more attention we should have paid more attention that's true that is true um i was living for the man giving him no time of day I, like he was just trolling him so hard who is this like, who is this guy email. yeah okay yeah give me a starbucks and a red bull <laughs> the best was at the end when he said basically like I'm not hearing anything, so why don't you put something together and come back? Um, gets his assistant, says, he needs to leave right now. Like, just dragged him throughout this meeting. Um, it was very clear. Oh, he mentioned that Gina Keo was the one that referred him. And Gina is like the connector. She's like the networker. Yeah. She really is the OG of the OC. I mean, um, it's very clear that she is the one that brings people, yeah. all these people together. Richie and Shane, um, they're going out for drinks to meet women in Mexico. Shane reveals he hasn't had a girlfriend in two years. And he says, he's so frank and like blunt and honest about this. My dad teases me, thinks, thinks so. are you gay? Yeah. And I'm like, and he's brought this up numerous times. Like people think I'm gay. People, And like, honestly, I mean... I'm curious, you as a straight man, that to me was in a way comforting how comfortable he was saying that just because like, I feel like most straight people would be very, like they would never want to like admit that people always think they're gay. Uh, Yes, but also it then my deeper thought than that was like, oh, what a wild environment. I mean, that also shows you where you know, where we've come from, like, or what, what, how far we've grown, like 50, you know, it's like, but you, it's like, that really was happening. You know, parents were teasing their kids. Like you gay, you, you better not be Mm -hmm. gay, you know, like, and, and I thought that was really, really kind of dark, but yeah, you're right. He did seem like, uh, they think this, he seems like he, there's part of him that knows who he is, but then there's this other part and we see it in those dune buggies with Colton where Colton says he has a stutter because Shane makes fun of him so much and he has to get his words out as quickly as he can. And he developed a stutter because of it, which that's another horribly dark thing because Shane would pick on Colton like the dad would pick on Shane. And it, to me, I was like, this is so wild. And Colton stuttered during the, that the interview. Head, yeah. That was what was also crazy because 
I was under the impression when he was talking about it, it was like he's developed that stutter like mostly when he's talking with Shane, but in reality, he just has like a stutter well, now or in general because he was talking about Shane, and about Shane. You know, like yeah. I was like, oh, that is dark. Well, but even in the Doom Buggy, he's like Shane's like, you're not gonna go as fast as me. You stalled out, loser. You stalled out. You know. <laughs> I so I'm an only child, so I don't know what it's like to have this sibling rivalry um are you an only child no no have i have a sister and but there was never like a I, I mean i was kind of i guess considered the good kid and she was considered the bad kid but she turned everything around she has a great family now and stuff but i mean this was just in high school and i was doing all the school plays i was like president of student mm-hmm. council all that bs and she was like kind of the loner and rebel and just by that disparity i was then like you know she just thought oh you're how you know? How dare you want to be out there with people and stuff? And and so it did right. create a rivalry in the sense that she thought you know our parents liked me better, and she I don't know it's but it, it was never like a pick on kind of a thing, you know? Right. We would just steer yeah. clear from each other. The um, Shane, Cara, and Colton their their dynamic is very much let's rag on each other, and some of it is all like fun and stuff but then there's some that gets a little like intense um and even in the dubai like it was i feel like what's interesting is colton he looks up to shane because like and shane wants to be like the best in and st- everything but in reality it almost feels like colton is the more talented and more one that is set up for success in a lot of these things. I mean, he even beat him in the dune buggy thing and Shane would, would never, would not let him have that. Oh, you stalled it like five times. You, uh, you do the, you do that. You know, it's, it's weird. It's like Shane thinks he's good. He's competing with his younger brother because he wants to be the best. But in reality, he knows that Colton is almost like, better at him at things but i yeah. but to me that's what i i appreciated about watching back you know you do really appreciate those family dynamics and even like mm-hmm. the teasing of the mom like i can like I, I i me and my sister will tease on my mom now and stuff or tease my mom and uh, you do appreciate those family dynamics and uh, but uh, you just think about we know like the dad passed away we do you know like there's yeah. you just think about it in re- you know and then just talking to Shane this past week, it was just very interesting to to watch this back and go like, man, they've really, everybody's grown up. It, yeah, it can be a tough crowd in the, in the Keogh household. I was talking, you know, like with episode one, like, you know, Gina and Matt had some like harsh criticisms on like, you know, Shane with his baseball car with volleyball. And it's just like, that was not in my household. Like everyone's different and it works for everyone. But I was just like, oof, dagger to the heart. If like once you hear some of the things that yeah. like as if that was my parents yeah, talking. Yeah, 100%. You know? So we're back to Vicky. Um, she's off for a week. And so she's so behind on work. And, you know, she's in her chaotic Vicky mode. And in this moment, you you really see the beginning, at least in our housewives knowledge, of Vicky becoming this like workaholic and seeing why she is so driven by her work because you know Don is unemployed her kids are in school she's the only one making the money and she's her business at this point like is still smaller than what it has grown to now at this point she's still working out of her house so she's working hard i know she even mentioned you know they were not ready for financially for 
where, you know, for Don to lose his job and all of that stuff. So we saw, kind of see these this inner working of Vicky being like this crazy workaholic that we see in the future seasons of Housewives and how she, her trope of like, well, why why is no one yeah. working? Why aren't these girls working? Lori, you got to pick it up, Lori. You got to really, Lori's better. She's got to really show me. And it, it is fun. I'm just not built that way where it, you know, it really, you can tell she is laser focused on commissions, on selling that. I just cannot be, but like, I am I guess I, I can be more sensitive and talk deeper with you than Vicky can probably, but Vicky can like, she just, and that's why I, I don't think you can argue that Kodo Insurance, you know, turned out to be very, I mean, she really did. She, that was a great company for her. She mm-hmm. made a lot of money. Still does. Yeah. I mean, like I can identify with being driven in what you want to do with your career. Like I love my job. I'm very driven and being successful at my job but my life is not about work like i i like my job and all of that you do your job also because so you can have a life and then i yeah and i and i i leave work and i leave work at work and i enjoy my time off very much so so i i feel like she needs to find that balance obviously which she'll probably never find because she's still working (laughs) um 16 years later since we've seen her. So then we get to see um, Gina and all of them actually are in um, on vacation in Mexico. And Uncle and Richie and Carr are talking. They're sort of dragging Shane, saying he needs to get better with his game yeah. with girls. Carr's like, yeah, this is a boob. <laughs> like, literally, Richie has to explain what a titty is. Um, <laughs> and then... They go out, Richie and Shane go out to the clubs because he's 18, he can drink. They get out there, they meet all these, this group of girls and Shane is, finds one girl that he really likes. We see him clubbing, they're dancing, drinking. And then an hour later, it says, we see Uncle Richie and Shane leaving and he goes, yeah, you should have gone down on her or something. And I was like, Shocked that that was what came out of all things. But then it's so nice to see Shane as this person, not the typical 18 year old straight boy that's like on the hunt for pussy all the time. You know, I don't have interest in having me. He's like a lot of, a lot of my friends that have girlfriends are kind of, I don't like, I don't like it. You know, I don't, I don't like, it doesn't, it's not cool. You know, they're miserable. It is funny about that. And, Obviously, I do not think Shane is gay, but that all of these, a lot of excuses on why he doesn't have girlfriends were things that like I would try to use to explain why I don't have a girlfriend (laughs) to my parents in college. By the way, I don't think he's gay either, but you could actually, like if if he was, this would have even made more sense. It would have made more sense. But but then he goes, you know, the girl I want is the main girl. You know, he's like talking about the girl that he actually, you know, the one I'm kind of into, but he was like barely into her. And that's the one where she was like, you should have went down on her, bro. Yeah. He, he, um, I almost feel like he did it just to appease Richie and the cameras. Yeah. Like, I don't think he really wanted. Well, and then I love that they have the, um, the typical montage of dancing and it was pretty much the cameras are on the floor. So it's like a lot of upskirt shots and stuff. And you're just yes. like, this is so funny. Just like kids dancing on a, you know, and then right? older, older uncle Richie there with them. You know, I want to know 
what the crew size was at this point in season one. Like, how many? I mean, there's got to be. What was that like? I mean, I would. I wonder if there's one or like. There's got to be like two people. Like there. One cameraman. One. Yeah, cameraman, that's what I'm one, thinking. You know, like person. I don't know. But now it's like totally different. Where they have like. There's a whole crew there just to film, like, one scene, whereas there, you know, back at the times, and clearly the quality, you know, I'm curious if it was just, like, one guy with a little camera <laughs> filming all of this. We also get to see Kimberly and Joe get together to play tennis. Kimberly and Joe are comparing their boobs. Yeah. Um, Ki- Joe brought up, like, yesterday that... Kimberly has her, had her, like, she always looked up to Kimberly in her body. She was like, I'm shook at, you know, what she had. She has exactly the body that I would want. And it was shocking to me to hear her say, like, watching season one back, she's like, the camera absolutely does put 20 pounds on. But like, Joe, had a, Joe felt, looked great. I thought had Joe a had a great body. body. Like. Totally. It was like a whole sort of, she discusses this, she developed major body dysmorphia. The thing why I feel like a lot of like body issues and like stuff happen when you are on screen, it's because it does start to mess with your head. And also I would have people, agents, managers, publicists, people I was working with, want to feed me diet pills because they wanted me to be smaller. So it wasn't just me looking at myself. It was also like who my team was at the time, how I was being guided, you know, because at the height of my career on Housewives, you know, I'm booking billboard campaigns and I'm getting spinoff shows. And there's like so much fame that came from it at the time. There's so much pressure on how you look, you know, that in the real world, like, you're you look like a normal girl, but it's 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 bizarre. It's crazy. Wow, it's bananas. That's, actually, that's, that's that is crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. I never would have expected that. That's that's wild. Um, yeah. Feeding you diet pills. That's crazy. That is yeah. truly crazy. Because again, and you're young. You were tiny. So you're like, yeah. I was okay. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I got. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But the, there was back, and again, it's so different now. Like now, totally beautiful, big, curvy bodies are like embraced. But back then, there was a really big pressure. It was either zero or two, and anything above yeah. that, that those were the times I was living in. So it, right. it was, it was a lot. But then we get to watch the her and Kimberly play tennis. And, you know, I just don't know that tennis is Joe's, like, calling. No, I mean, I don't, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's an activity. I mean, you know, she, yes. good sport. Uh, they got to compare boobs and wear, like, outfits. And uh, that's all you need from that scene. I'm still dead over Kimberly moving to Kodo. And six months later, her husband just saying, you know, have you considered getting breast implants? <laughs> and she just went from, she said she was a 32A and went to 32DD. Well, didn't she say 95% of the ladies in Kodo, it's all about their breasts? 85%. 85 sorry. Close. Sorry, I'm not good you with know, math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we kind of, we end the episode with Vicky and Lori. They're going to lead us into next episode where... They're get, gearing up for the big insurance convention, and Vicky is amped for this insurance convention. I love how much Vicky loves insurance. It's like 
an aphrodisiac for her, um, as Ramona would say. It, I literally think it, it turns her on when she talks about insurance. I mean, how does it not? Um, I mean, it really is a, it's a very sexy industry. <laughs> it's very sensual. So sexy. Oh, yeah. But I like Lori's yes. like, uh, how many guys, it'll be mainly guys. I mean, we got to dress it up. We got to really, you know, I, I just thought that was Vicky, funny as well. Yeah. Vicky's like, we're going to be very conservative. during. Lori's like, no, not conservative. Like, they are on two different pages with this insurance convention. Vicky's like, you better. I hope she's really in here for like the insurance and not to meet the men and party. And Lori's totally there to just like, I'm ready to scout out a, a new man. I'm ready to not be doing this insurance bullshit anymore. But that's also the, you also see with like how intense Vicky is. You really see how a person like Brooks can get in there. Because he can oh, be yeah. like, you know what? I, I see, you know, I see the, re- I see the inner you. You're so sensual oh, yeah. and romantic and not everybody, everybody thinks you're just about business, but I know you're a lover. I know you're romantic. You know, like I could just see yeah. when somebody is that all about their business, I can see somebody getting in there and just using that to being like, I see something that nobody else sees in you, you know? Yeah, totally. That makes That's a love lot tank, of sense. You know, that's love tank. And you know, we're season one is where we start to see, you know, a little bit of her love tank emptying with Don, but um, it's a shame. I actually think her and Don, I wish they would have stayed together. But why though? I mean, like, honestly, they, I think they could have worked it out if they truly put the time in. But how would, if I was Don, how would I ever be able to trust Vicky again of like, totally. You're you're just, you're looking for something else that I obviously am not. And I, I just don't know if I would ever be able to, to trust that even, and even Vicky's kids uh, are, are still Mm -hmm. very much, uh, you know, with that's true with Dawn and stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I just think, cause they both, you know, they both had infidelity issues they um i think the biggest problem obviously was they were just vicky was all about her life you know her work the show getting her kids off to college and like worrying about her kids and she just didn't put the time in to you know nurture that relationship and not to say that don didn't do anything wrong i'm sure don had his issues too but i think if they would have really put in the time and actually tried to nurture that relationship, maybe it would have worked out and maybe not, but I don't feel like they ever, as much as they like when they went, they they decided that they needed to do something different and they were going to do date nights and all of that stuff later in the seasons. I felt like they still half-assed it and she, no, no one really changed. So, you know, if they're not willing to change their behavior, that's not working, then the relationship isn't going to change. So God, I would, I, I don't would know. Lo- I just I would love, love Don. to, I, I would love to hear what Vicky had to say to that. If you told Vicky I like that, she's... I would love to hear what she would say. Oh, you mean like, if you told her that, yeah. Anymore? Like what would she have said of like, well, well yeah. Or what? Like, I mean, I think she would agree. Yeah. Because I think she does. She has, said, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like I've seen in interviews where she does like regret divorcing Don. Yeah, I think she has openly said that. And I think she recognizes, I think now, especially with the show, you know, no longer having the show, I'm sure there is like, you know, an emptiness there because the show's gone that occupied a lot. 
she has her work, but eventually she's going to end, you know, pass that on to something and, you know, retire. And I don't think her and Steve are truly, truly together. Like, I think it is very much a glorified friendship um, because they don't even live in the same place. You know, they're not yeah, going to get married. I mean, they don't live in the same place. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's um, I, I just sometimes wonder, like, also, like, I wonder how much uh, Vicky's financing Steve Lodge's campaign. I wonder, I mean, I think she has just a very interesting. He would fall into that trap. Post-dawn love life. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, it's very interesting. The personalities that have come in post Don, where Don seems to be like the king of cool and not even like, I'm a cool guy. He's not trying. He just kind of just seems like effortless, just kind of whatever. Yet Steve and Brooks have had, I mean, it seems very intense, you know, potentially at times. Steven Brooks, she would do anything to appease them, like change her Things about herself. And that's so weird when it's like you're such a strong lady that is bringing in the the bit. Like that's what I. I I mean, I don't get sometimes about women across the board of like they'll give. It's what's I always talk about this with the Kardashians. You know, it's like they give up their power to some of the worst choices in men, and it's like the sometimes their worst mistakes are not their own. It's just well, it's in the men they choose. Like they could have it all, but then their fatal flaw is their choice in men. Like it's always men Mm -hmm. who let them down. And I mean, I hate to say that, you know, that I'm not saying that men are trash or what that it's really popular to say, but men are trash. I mean, that is very popular <laughs> to say, but I, it is interesting how these strong women always let men take them down, you know? True. But the men are the ones taking them down. Yeah. So. I just think sometimes strong. Well, well the, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what I, that's why I'm, I loved uh, Naomi, uh, Naomi from Southern charm, her statement about Matul saying, um, I will not be getting back together with him because I have self-respect. Yes. But please stop making fun of him. He's going through his own pain because of the consequences of his actions. And I was just like, what a smart lady is to say, I am in pain, but I also have self-respect, so I will not be getting... And I... I was just like, I, I I think I stood up and clapped when I saw that. I was like, amazing, amazing that you... I mean, that to me is just like, I'm like, wow... Uh, that's just somebody that really does at the end of the day, believes in themselves and sees down the line that this person is not going to be the best person to make decisions on behalf of the both of them for the rest of their lives, you know? Totally. And I think what's even more fascinating about this with Vicky though, is in the relationship with Don, she wouldn't do anything to appease him almost like she wouldn't do anything. Like if he, he would always ask like, I want to spend more time. I want to spend more time. And still, like, she put work ahead of him. She put everything else but ahead of... uh, She put everything else in her life ahead of Don, it it seemed. Whereas with Steve and Brooks, it was like, they were... Like, I will do whatever I can to make you happy because she just... She feels just so submissive to them from the outside looking in, you know? And that's like what changed there? What is different between those two and Don? Or what is different between Vicky? Like, what was the change with Vicky between her relationship with Don and then the other two? Like, yeah. was what which what is the what is the thing that changed? Um, because I truly believe, I mean, that was her downfall for the show was these men. Because I think especially Steve in a way, I mean, obviously Brooks with cancer scam was horrific. But with Steve, I don't think she still would be on the show if she wasn't with Steve. 
because I think she kept trying to portray this like conservative, like I'm a grandma now because Steve, you know, Steve doesn't want me to do this. Steve doesn't want me to do that on camera. I need to be an example. And I think that he ultimately was the one that took her down because she no longer was contributing to the show in a meaningful way. Yeah. But well, you know, I love a tangent and (laughs) we just went way off, but um, thank you so much for joining Dude, me. Thank for this. you. This I'm so, so I'm, 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 I'm so happy you're doing a podcast. I think this is just a natural fit for you and your, your insane knowledge and love of these shows. And I, I, I can't wait to have you back on my pie. I mean, I just think uh, this is such a cool little universe we've created. And it, there's so many just great Bravo fans that I know is going to, they're going to freak out when they hear these. So I uh, thank you for even thinking to include me because I, I always say, I just, I don't need to be at the top of anything. I just want to be included. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I I I can't say how much of a fan I am of yours. As in, likewise for you. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> he goes, you too. Truly. You you too, buddy. But you no, look better in a I wig. Really you am. do look better in a wig. I will say that. <laughs> so tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, the podcast is called So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Uh, it's five days a week, Monday through Friday. You can pick and choose. You do not. It's not something where you have to listen every day. There's timestamps. These are uh, long form shows. So there'll be big interview. There'll be like long interviews. There'll be comedy bits. My parents will be on. You'll hear some mashups. There's, it's just a variety show. But choose like you can start with Steve's been on a couple times. Go back, search his episodes out. You can go, uh, you know, I'll do Beverly Hills recaps on Fridays. I do interviews, uh, you know, Tuesday through Thursday, pop culture roundup on Monday with other Bravo non-related stories plus Bravo. So it's kind of just everything. It's a hodgepodge of everything, but you don't need to just skip around. See what, always just find out what makes you happy with podcasts. Same with the Instagram. I just goofy post so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. And, uh, and if you go there and this podcast, especially because it's new, Go rate this five stars right now, period. This We do this usually for the most part for free, and it really does help, and it's something that I'm so proud of being a part of, and you want to support this. You want to, because you're usually getting this for free, and uh, it is the easiest, freest thing that you could possibly do that just shows a little bit of respect for for the things that you're listening to, you know? Thank you for that. I want, I can speak to Ryan's pods. It is so much fun. I loved when we did our episode when... We did a battle of Rinna versus Denise. Denise yeah. Last well, it season, looks like you won. Rinna's still on. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! As she should be and as Denise should be gone. That's my Lisa Rinna cackle. Drake, champ- you- who champagne pappy? Who champagne pappy? <laughs> His takes are always so funny. I love your memes. I love your Instagram. So definitely check that out. It is, he is hysterical. And his podcast is so much fun. So thank you again, Ryan. Um, I'm so excited to join you. Yeah, back on it'll be again. very, it'll and be very soon. Thank you. And thank you to your listeners. You are in good hands with Steve. Enjoy this ride. Thank you. And all right, everyone. Thanks again for all of your support. Um, like Ryan said, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, let me know what you think. Tell me if there's anything that you want to see from this. And um. Totally happy to take some feedback. And thanks again for listening. 